For this episode, we divulge all the spoilers. So if you're not interested, we recommend you stop listening after 16 minutes, 30 seconds. Otherwise, listen on and find out what really happens with the full Kiss of Deception series. Hello. Testing, testing. Kiss of Deception. <laughs> Two guys. Who's who? I don't know. <laughs> None of us know. Except that we do know. Yes, one girl. <laughs> Whoopee. Welcome. You are listening to Forever Young Adult Book Plate, where we discuss the monthly book club pick of Forever Young Adult, your online world of things that are a little more A and a little less Y. Is that how you say it? That's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us at foreveryoungadult.com. The book clubs are listed online and find a chapter in your area or start your own. <laughs> We encourage you to read along, of course. We discuss the book as a meal, so we divide it based off of their plate. Uh, we start with our amuse-bouche, which is a short description of the novel. My name is Annie, and I am a member of the Forever Young Adult Book Club since month three. San Francisco. San Francisco chapter. Yes. She was one of the first. I am Jenny. I lead the San Francisco Forever Young Adult Book Club, and I am also in FYA headquarters. And I'm Britt, also from SFFYA. It's a little late to the party, but I'm a regular now. So <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to trade you out. <laughs> oh, no, never. Okay. <laughs> we're like a very glittery gang. Once you start coming regularly, <laughs> you're in for life. Yeah, and your name will never change in my phone. No. It'll always say book club or FYA. <laughs> yeah, your, your name in my phone still says FYA. <laughs> so our amuse-bouche for this book is The Kiss of Deception. Extremely sure of herself, Princess Arabella Celestine Idris Gisellia, a.k.a. Leah. Idris? <laughs> like, actually, Idris. <laughs> Leah runs away from her first daughter duties the day of her wedding to find her own adventure. Again, by Mary E. Pearson. And this was her first, it looked like her first fantasy series, but not her first novel. She has, like, a sci-fi series out as well. Interesting. So our appetizer, they actually eat fairly well in this book. Um, sweet fig cheese and toasted sesame crackers. Yes, please. Also, princess tropes. So the ones that I, the three that off the top of my head, arranged marriage, supportive handmaiden, unfeeling father. Yep. Check, check, and check. <laughs> well, when we did um, My Lady Jane, Jenny, you were talking about being a fan of marriages of convenience. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about that in this book? Well, it's different w between an arranged marriage, I think, especially because she's trying to escape versus, you know, like the Regency romances that I read. You know, oh, well, you know, one of us is, has been compromised by society and to save ourselves, we must get married. And then we find out that we love each other. You know, that, that I like because there's actually a reason for it. This, I did not love it. But isn't the reason to have the two kingdoms unite against the vagabonds or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> the barbarians, whatever they're the called. The vendons. Yeah. But they don't have any choice in it at That's all. True. She's not trying to, like, she doesn't go through with the marriage as far as I know. I did finish this book, but it was years ago. And spoiler alert, I didn't like it enough to reread it. So, sorry, guys. But as far as I know in the series, they don't get married. So 
she's not yeah she's she's choosing to escape instead of enter into it for whatever benefit that it might give her political alignments and yeah and also the benefit is mostly to her parents in the other kingdom so to me not a marriage of convenience or relationship of convenience in the in the way that i enjoy like candy well she was upset that the prince wouldn't let her inspect him That's my favorite part. She wants to inspect him. He gets really mad. He's like, no, I, would, I don't need to be inspected. And that's why she runs away. I really feel like it all could have been solved if, you know, um, <laughs> the prince would have just been like, sure, why not? She sees his dad and he's really old. And she then she thinks the prince is going to be old, too. That uh. confused me because I misread that at first. It said, <laughs> like, she caught a glimpse of the king one day and he was all old and knobbly or whatever. And I thought that it was the prince mm-hmm. because... From then on, she kept saying, like, oh, like, this old stuffy puffy prince. But, like, there had been a line earlier that said he was probably old because, like, his dad was old enough to be, like, her grandfather Mm -hmm. or something like that. But then, you know, and then she and Pauline would, you know, joke around about, like, there was one time when they compared him to an old crone's arthritic toe, (laughs) I think. And then, like, a toad and, like, some (laughs) other stuff. So then when we finally meet the prince and he's, like young and like chasing after her on a horse i was so confused i was like wait <laughs> what i was like did she glimpse sven by accident <laughs> <laughs> and then i had to go back and be like oh the king okay but she really does assume a lot yeah. like it's funny because she's supposed to be this like tuned into this magic well i don't know how far you got but 20 <laughs> percent. okay <laughs> so but i read a um, summary online so well, for the first 300 pages, nothing happens. And then she <laughs> figures out that she's supposed to, like, know the magic of the land and, like, all this stuff. And so she has all these assumptions that she goes into and acts, like, very strongly with strong conviction on. And then it turns out, like, if she had just been listening to the magic of the land, like, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Right. <laughs> that is that is one thing. And I know we're kind of veering off course here. But she doesn't know anything about her kingdom. I know. That and was really annoying Then she's... Me. Then she's going off and she's trying to hide well, in a kingdom she knows nothing about. Come on. <laughs> she literally led a rebellion because she didn't want to learn more about her kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> like sh- Typical, I don't know, bratty teenager move. She gathered up other teenagers <laughs> who didn't want to learn and they like went marching to her father and were like, we don't want an extra hour of lessons per day. We're 14. We have better things to do. <laughs> and yeah. the dad's like, huh, that's cute. You're grounded for a month. <laughs> <laughs> and you still have to have that extra hour of lessons. <laughs> nice try. Uh, I forgot. I thought that that was because she didn't want to do church lessons, which are like more confusing than the, maybe it was the actual school lessons. If I can find it, I have but it on my Kindle here. That made me mad too. Cause like, okay, so if you're the princess, you're being educated to be, queen or like you should know about your own damn kingdom and then when the boys start lying to her one of them's like oh i'm from some southern province and like she doesn't know enough about her kingdom to call him out on that right very stupid come on kid <laughs> like if you don't want to be a princess that's fine but if you're also running away and and then come to the realization that maybe you should know something about your own kingdom i mean come on there are ways to solve that there are libraries right you right. and she likes books it was an extra hour day studying selections from the holy text yeah the morrigan text versus the dahlberg text versus it the Benden text. literally says at 14 i had better things to do 
I'm sure that that is the author having a sense of humor. You know, but it <laughs> also, come on. <laughs> I teach third grade, and our current writing unit is persuasive writing. Mm. And my <laughs> students have gotten this idea into their heads that if they all band together and write a persuasive enough argument about why they shouldn't have homework, that I will <laughs> take that into consideration <laughs> and stop giving them homework. That is darling. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, but like I was reading one of them, and one of my kids' arguments was like, homework is a waste of time because I have other things to do. <laughs> It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Am I interrupting your nine-year-old social life? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah, how is learn multiplication? <laughs> how is he gonna hit the club when you're making him do times tables? Oh, Come goodness. on. <laughs> it's just this really unfeeling of Hubert. Well, then she also, I mean, later she's like very good at all of these like male type skills where she like rides horses and apparently she knows mm-hmm. how to hide her tracks and she knows how to navigate oh, across the country <laughs> and like speak all these languages oh well that's her like inherent thing and then i'm like well how do you have all of these skills in this area but you are so shitty in all of these <laughs> other like areas which are just like general understanding of how the world works that's a trope in and of right that's a trope in and of itself in ya for for a while at least that girls to to be badass they had to have these quote male skills mm. and I don't I don't really buy it. Mm. That makes me think about Game of Thrones because Sansa is such a hated character because of her femininity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like there's been, you know, multiple think pieces about this, but it's like she is strong. She's strong in a different way. She's strong by surviving, by playing by society's rules. So like yeah, Arya is obviously a little tiny like psychopathic badass or whatever. <laughs> but like Sansa is Sansa, Sansa, I don't know, is strong in a, in a different way. And a lot of people don't see that because yeah, she's, she's more like, quote unquote, traditional. Well, she's playing princess. the game and they consider she's that the game. manipulative yeah. because we can all just pick up a sword and, you know, stab our abusers instead of, you know, saying, OK, sure. Well, she's I'll playing the actual Game of Thrones where she has a better claim to the throne, mm-hmm. you know. That is it's the end game, the long game. Sometimes you have to get married, o- at least in fantasy worlds, and also you know the medieval Renaissance of up, up until pretty recently. Sometimes you do have to marry somebody you don't want to marry, but sometimes you can make that work for you. Yeah, you I don't mean, have to be Arya. In other countries, you still have to marry people you don't want to marry. Sometimes true. I mean, sometimes I think maybe in our country too, we just don't know. Yeah, well, I'm thinking about the predominantly white Western world, ah. and you know the monarchy the monarchy yeah i think you probably still well we now have prince william married to kate but yeah she was still like a, a mm. cast approved person she wasn't like a low cast person oh yeah yeah i was picturing cast when you said that like disney cast member <laughs> <laughs> also one of those folks yeah did you see i saw some article that i didn't read but i saw a headline where it's like they sit down and talk about mental health issues as young royals ironically disney cast members are not allowed to date each other that makes oh, but sense. you know they're all doing oh, that. Of yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. We don't have to date to do it. <laughs> now I can think about some shipping. <laughs> 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 all right. So the main course for this book is fish stew and venison, but also world building believability. We are we kind of brought this up. She's a princess, but she believes Rafe's origin story. He's the one who tells her he's from some southern province. 
And I was like, you should know all the damn provinces in your country, girl. You are the one and only princess. Yeah. How many of us knew all of the United States? I mean, in Canada, all of the provinces. I mean, come on. And California is the fifth grade standard to know all the states and capitals. Yeah. And she's 14. Come on. Yeah. And then um, other questions are like, what did they eat on the flight north? They actually eat nothing. I don't know how long it takes them, but they, and it's not even north, it's south, I think. That was the other thing is the book <laughs> is like very detailed in some things and then like very not detailed in other places where I couldn't figure out where they were going. I thought they were going north because they're fleeing. But there's a map. But then they go <laughs> south. Did the map correspond to the book? Yes. I have a Kindle version and it's too tiny. I can't really oh. tell. It does, but it's really hard to tell because mm. it's like, yeah. But she was also trying to go different directions to throw off True. the tracks, even though it didn't work because <laughs> she didn't use common sense. Like she's trading expensive jewels right. for normal coins and then giving them a few extra to keep, keep their quiet. silence. And <laughs> it's like, do you think the royal guard isn't gonna be able to pay people off to cancel out your payment for silence? Like, okay. I don't know. Well, oh, here, take these expensive horses right. and give me a donkey instead. Nobody will notice. <laughs> Well, that that leads me to ask Annie. I would think that that was the author's intention to portray her as, as really, really stupid. I don't know. But I did, don't think so. But as I recall, and I don't think I'm pretty sure that I'm correct that there were no consequences no. to this. As so far as I can tell, there are no consequences to her like dumbness. And and well, Annie's read found, the whole series. Yeah, she got found, but like only by her brother, who read her signs and taught her her tr- his, the tracking. The prince and the assassin found her pretty quickly. <laughs> they're also supposed to be like really well-trained soldiers, mm. and the assassin, like they're all supposed to be very highly skilled in these areas where she has been skilled, you know. And then the other thing is like they they pack the night before. Like I had forgotten this the first time I read it, but then I read it again. I was like, they packed the night before and got uh, this was their plan the night before the yeah. wedding, and they got away with it. She also e- just stuck her wedding dress in a bush. Yeah. <laughs> the prince finds that he keeps yeah. it. Yeah, That's he kept crazy. it. He keeps I it. I do did not remember it, that. It, it exists throughout the full three sto- novels. <laughs> it keeps coming up. Oh my god, what that a creeper! Is, yeah, um, I mean, I thought the cloak at least was a smarter idea. Like she yeah. ripped off the jewels to use as currency, and then put it in the river to make it look like she drowned or whatever. <laughs> but she just stuck her wedding dress. In a bush. <laughs> to look like she got ravaged by animals, I think, was the idea. Like they ate her or something. <laughs> okay. Right. Because, you know, I always, get that. as an animal, I always take my dinner's dress off <laughs> before I eat it. <laughs> my well, other question with the world be- building is like the townspeople figure out who she is and then also just like know in general that the princess ran away. But then they seem to be fine with her, okay, single-handedly ruining this alliance that is means an increased likelihood of war. I was like, you literally destabilized the entire region by running away. Don't you think that might be a consequence? <laughs> no. Yeah. But she's so beloved. Oh, man. And then the love triangle, you brought this up, Britt. I keep mixing up the boys. And apparently that's on purpose, which I just don't appreciate. That was so irritating because it doesn't seem like it's done on purpose. Like, I feel like... If the author wanted to do it on purpose, make it a little bit more clear. Yeah. But because there were so many things, like one is wh- Rafe, 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 and Rafe. one is Caden, Caden, Caden. Yeah, Rafe. One is Caden. One is blonde. One has brown hair. One has blue eyes. One has brown eyes. One's a prince. One's an assassin. There's so many like 
details that I'm like, I must be missing something right. here. Which yeah. one is blonde? Is the prince the blonde? Is the you know whatever? But if it, it had just been like, one's a prince, one's an assassin, or something. Yeah. But the fact that she put so many details in there makes me think like there should be something here that I should be able to piece together. So that was kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah. When I read it, I was very confused and I assumed that she was doing it on purpose but did not enjoy that particular device at all yeah, uh, yeah. For me. at first it was like oh am I doing this wrong and I'm like oh she's doing this on purpose but why, why? Yeah. and then you find out who they are before the end of the book anyway so like I said nothing really happens for the first 300 pages it's, that's, it's this like pretend issue with the boys and like her hiding out and then finally something actually happens and we're in like the real fantasy and then we're in like the real fantasy like battle survival mm-hmm. thing which happens for the rest of the series and is way more interesting in my mind that that's like like her being so stupid and obnoxious as a 14 year old i you know i can forgive an author purposely writing a character stupidly if if there are consequences to it, and right. I can forgive this, you know, which which guy is which, if there's a point to it. But I recall feeling, like, at the end of the book that there was not really a point to it. Unless she it's just sure. to try to hook the reader and, like, keep you guessing. But it just, it doesn't, I don't think it has that intended effect. It's more confusing. Yeah. I think she wants us to root for the assassin a bit. And then we end up rooting for the prince because we like see that he's the good guy the assassin gets his gets his due like in the second book so he becomes a much more sympathetic character once you know more about his history which turns out okay spoiler alert but (laughs) turns out he's actually also from morgan and his father is a high up morgan official who um had him as a bastard like on the other side of the blanket and then like basically killed his mother and then sold him into slavery. Oh, shit. That's yeah. cheerful. And then you find out that his father is one of the politicians plotting the whole the whole takeover of the country. Which, anyway, that's the rest. That's the political intrigue which you get in the rest of the series. But, like, it does first shift away through 300 pages of Love Triangle. which And waitressing. And waitressing. Which, you know, fine. But if we're going to have Love Triangle, like, make it a little hot. Like, it is hot. There's definitely, like, the mud wrestling. Well, there's, like... <laughs> On page 245, she like she says, like, I hope this would be the end of their dirty games. And I'm like, no, no, you don't. No, you <laughs> wish they'd have a naked wrestling contest in your bed. That's what we're actually going for here. And, like, let's just make it obvious. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest with ourselves. Come on. Because they are, like, both really hot and attractive. And I'm like, totally fine. Let's make it a, let's make it a threesome situation or whatever. <laughs> but instead, it's just, yeah. It's just, like, long and drawn out and, like, meh. Yeah, you know, I don't mind a love triangle if it's done well. Like, I don't know how many of you listening, and probably neither Brit nor Annie have actually read the original Vampire Diaries novels. Mm-hmm. However, that is a love triangle that I really like because it's it, you can see that both brothers have something to offer. She's torn between two of them, even though she feels pulled more toward one. And... I can I can see why she's torn, and she admits it. But this book is just yeah. She's not being honest with herself. Of course, she wants to bone them both, right? <laughs> Even when she first meets them, when they show up and they pretend to be friends, because right. they're both like, <laughs> "Oh, strangers alone are gonna draw more attention." So 
okay, bud, let's go in or whatever. <laughs> and then they sit down <laughs> and she's like, oh, like this guy is cute and so is this guy. And then Gretchen or whatever her name <laughs> is, is like, they both want dark cider, trust me. <laughs> one's a fisherman and one's a trader, <laughs> a merchant. Right. <laughs> and then I, that was that was that but she definitely like sized up both of them and we're like oh he's cute oh right. he's cute oh my cheeks are turning red oh i need to like watch gretchen for advice on how to flirt right. or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's be real if that were my reality in at 14 i feel like i have two arms <laughs> i can have both of you <laughs> well, she's 17 now so oh yeah. she's 17 she was now. 14 okay. when she led the rebellion against an extra hour of yeah. <laughs> Holy text lessons. She's 17 and they're both like 19 and 20. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 17, there's no excuse. I have two arms. <laughs> I can hold on to both of you. Let's do this. See, if this was a new adult book, it yeah. might have turned out differently. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, new adult tends to be that way. <laughs> what is new adult? New adult is anybody who's pretty much over 18. Ah. So it's still appealing to a younger audience, but there's there's definitely more graphic sex okay. in New Adult. I personally, and I'm putting this out there with caveat that obviously I haven't read all New Adult, but I don't really like New Adult so far. Mm. Anything that I've read, or everything that I've read from New Adult. It does get tend to get dominated by... Yeah. We can put sex in here. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, maybe <laughs> I would be more interested. <laughs> Although... Yeah, that's kind of like the reputation that it has because that's a lot of the stuff that that's true think of when they think mm. of new adult. But like books like Fangirl are technically new adult because mm-hmm. they're in college. Yeah, but right. I still think of that as YA because it doesn't have all the like. Well, and it's marketed as YA. Smut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, li- it's I not like unnecessary. <laughs> no, smut's not unnecessary. Not unnecessary, but like, but out sometimes it's out of place. Sometimes it's they're trying to do one story. But then they're like, but I can put smut in here, so I'm going to, even though it doesn't move the narrative forward. Well, that's what I think the love story is in this book. Yeah. Like, And they keep bringing it back. You know, I read the whole series because I'm a total sucker. Once I figured out what the world building was happening and that it was what was going on, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to know what this religion is. Like, what is all this mm-hmm. other stuff? Maybe this character is redeemed. She gets more skills and like you learn that she's actually like is really smart but just like does dumb stupid things <laughs> her, because of her emotions basically right. understandable it's about this world and like saving the world it's about a, it's about saving the world but in the end like it just keeps coming back to the love and like the relationship and the love and i'm just like this is not the driving fascinating part of this story you know like that's not this history that you've created and the structure of culture that you've created is the interesting part like i could care less if she actually gets together with this guy or not you know now when when you were 14 or uh, well a YA age an actual YA would you have felt the same way you know that's a good question I've become more willing I've become actually I want care I want authors to feel more comfortable killing off characters or ending relationships instead mm-hmm. of like making the happy ending when I was younger I wanted the happy ending I think because I'd read too many stories without the happy ending but now I'm like I want it to be I want it to feel natural I want it to feel like the natural progression and not like a made-up scenario where we can make right. it work no matter what you know like sometimes you can't make it work and well we're not the target audience for YA which That's I true. think is it's hard to remember that because 
I personally like YA so much because, you know, it's female dominated. It's unique. You see so many interesting things like Codename Verity. Uh, Things that wouldn't necessarily work in the adult publishing world. And so, yeah, I'm I'm always like super into YA. But then when I get a book like this and I'm like, oh, this isn't isn't for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm in my 30s. It really isn't for me. (laughs) (laughs) It is super not for me, but I'm going to read it anyway. Well, I was thinking um, since we were just talking about um, places no one knows, (coughs) possible spoiler spoiler alert. There's a line in there when uh, Waverly s- when Waverly says, "Kissing Marshall Holtz is the highlight of my life," <laughs> and like as a 30 year old, I rolled my eyes so far <laughs> up into my head, and I was like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> but then I took a second, and I was like, "All right, if I were like 17 or 16 or whatever, I probably would feel that way about oh, kissing Marshall Holtz is just the highlight of my life. <laughs> Nothing could ever be better than this moment, you know, whatever." So like as an adult, I'm like. Oh my god, this is <laughs> so irritating. But well, had I read that as a teenager, I'd been like, oh, I can relate. Yeah, like, especially <laughs> if you haven't kissed anyone. Exactly. Yet. Right. Yeah. Most of my YA reading career was when I didn't have any boyfriends and I hadn't had a first kiss yet. And I'm just like, yes, give me more kissing. <laughs> this is great fantasy, cool. You know, saving the world, going on horseback, and having an adventure. Great kissing. <laughs> and like, not to compare teenagers to toddlers. <laughs> <but> <laughs> But totally to compare (laughs) teenagers to toddlers. (laughs) But I read something that was like kind of a different perspective on dealing with like a toddler who's had a tantrum. Mm. And it was like, all right, so let's say that this kid is two years old and wants a cookie and parents say no. And the kid just goes on a screaming rampage. You have to think in this kid's entire two years of existence, Mm -hmm. this is literally the worst thing that has ever (laughs) happened to them. So like if you see it from their perspective, like it is a huge deal. Whereas as an adult, you're like, Okay, whatever. It's just a cookie. Knock it right? off. So it's kind of like <laughs> the same. At 16, this is the highlight of her life in her short 16 years of existence. Whereas, you know, as adult readers, we're coming at it with more perspective. And I try to think about that when I'm dealing with, like, my, my third graders and their social conflicts. Like, <laughs> he stole my pencil. You know, I'm like, I get another pencil? Like <laughs> <laughs> no. It's like right. my instinctual reaction. But I'm like, all right, they're nine. It is the most precious pencil that they have ever had. It was the Lisa Frank one with the unicorns (laughs) and the kittens. And and they will never get another one like it. They will never. (laughs) And it's a big deal. So I have to... It's hard. It's a big deal, especially if you see them using your pencil. That's the biggest part. It's different if the pencil disappears and nobody gets to use it versus now they're using your pencil. Right. (laughs) My nine-year-old sense of justice is Try to put myself in their shoes and be like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. When I just want to say, like, get over it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But that that is something that we have to remember when we're reading these books is that we're not the target audience. So as much as I have complaints about this book, you know, I could see myself at 14 probably going, yeah, <laughs> two guys. <laughs> but then she awesome. <sighs> well, then, like, it's only kind of good for this part. Uh, th- in the end, she's basically yeah. like, I mean, to be honest, she's basically tortured for the, for the next three books <laughs> in a lot of different ways. But uh, to backtrack a little bit to how the love triumph kind of takes precedence over the world building yes. and the political intrigue and all that stuff. 
probably some people will disagree with this, but I thought a book that balanced both of them really well was The Hunger Games. Mm. Yeah. Because you never wonder, like, why she's conflicted over these two guys. It's like, which one will, like, make the most sense logically? Which one will, like, keep me safe? Which one, you know, will help me survive, basically? There's, like, PETA, and I need to, you know, put on this facade of, like, we're this happy couple in order to survive these games. But then there's Gail, who, like, takes care of my family and like knows me and we hunt together and all this he stuff gives her the tingles and yeah in her swimsuit area yeah but then also there's the whole world that you know you never yeah. like forget about because she's too busy fawning over two guys mm-hmm. so it makes sense and it's very clear within the story like why she's conflicted whereas here it just seems like oh no <laughs> you guys they like dark cider <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely agree with your example though that I guess I'm kind of honing in on the dark sider because that's about as far as I've <laughs> gotten in the book it, it gets a little more obvious why she likes both of them and actually once you get to like further down in the story you think that she's going to go all one way and then you think like oh actually now she has more in, in common with this other person just because of the way like things happen mm-hmm. you know then um, and she has to play against both of them it's interesting. It's like the kiss of the deception. That theme kind of travels through the series. Is like love is supposed to be this very honest feeling. You know, if you love someone, that's it's like there's nothing else. But then she keeps having to play against it. You know, it's I have to deceive you because we're in danger, or you know, like or because I care about my country. Like in the end, she really does come back to loving her country. Like I think my biggest issue with this is like. She's in a fantasy for the first 300 pages. Like, oh, I'm a princess, but now I don't have to be a princess. I can be a waitress and <laughs> nothing is going to happen. I my keep around here. Put me to work. Exactly. <laughs> and then she realized, Whoops, like... my onion just went flying across <laughs> the room. I've never chopped an onion before in my life. Oh, God. <laughs> but then she realizes that she actually does care about her kingdom and her family. And, like, it ends up being, like, that she leads them to safety and, like, is the one who orchestrates that scenario. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, like, how did you go from being completely caring less and like being completely motivated by this ma- arranged marriage at only to like actually coming back and being like oh well maybe I do like my parents you know maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. I do care if they die or not you know <laughs> yeah you know they helped create me but boys <laughs> oh and she sees her brothers die too spoiler so oh. <laughs> sorry the whole uh like kiss of deception and love isn't really you know uh, that kind of reminded me of um, what happened with Pauline and Michael, too. That, like, mm. he, she's like, oh, you know, he'll find me because our love is that strong. And he'll, <laughs> you know, love ignites his internal GPS and he'll automatically <laughs> know where I am. Because that's how it works. And she's just like, you know, every person that comes through the door of the inn, she's like, oh, I thought <laughs> I have, oh, is it? No, no, not yet. False alarm. And it turns out he's like this uh playboy who's just like banging a bunch of women behind her back and then leah decides to tell her that he's dead because that is kinder to her than telling her the truth that he didn't love her the way that she loved him mikhail's kind of an awful person oh i said michael sorry or michael mikhail i don't know know. it has one k yeah michael maybe michael mikhail sounds more Mm. fantasy yeah well on the other hand we have Caden. come on this is supposed to be fantasy United States, what, 200 or more years? 2,000. 2,000 years yeah. into the future, and you're still using the name Caden? No. Oh, it's set in the future? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So eventually, if you look at the map, you can see that it's that. that it's um, actually the U.S. Yeah. There's a line in there about the ruins of the Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. So Civica oh. is San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm. and Dalbrecht, where Rafe is from, is D.C. Basically. Okay. Um, the two sides of the country, and Venda is like New York City. So, um, in as as the book I goes on, they have like different. I didn't realize it when I read it either. There's there's a line about um, the shiny discs that her. There's some line where like someone gives them shiny discs to play with, and I'm like, oh, she's talking about CDs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it just CDs like did not like last two thousand years. It's plastic. Who knows? Well, yeah, it definitely gives off a historical fantasy kind of vibe, like right. trading jewels for coins and writing. <laughs> Yeah. donkeys and whatever so if it is the future maybe mikhail really does have an internal <laughs> gps maybe he's a cyborg <laughs> maybe really it's could like find her it's just right you know, maybe it's like last the of the mohicans <laughs> the movie not the book because in case you guys haven't read the last of the mohicans book it's really effing depressing but you like in the, in the movie <laughs> when daniel day lewis is screaming you know you stay alive i will find you <laughs> Yeah, that's the kind of internal love GPS I'd be into. <laughs> well, there's the whole thing, like the, the we were talking about this, there's like this text, the holy text throughout the book mm-hmm. that keeps coming back. And one of them is like, I'll find you no matter where. Yeah, that one keeps I'll being find repeated you. a lot. It's kind of creepy. And it's mm-hmm. because um, the prince, basically that's their love story. It's like no matter what happens to her, cause she does get captured and like ends up in a completely different place. Like the prince will find her and like no matter what happens in their love, he'll find her. And then her thing, her magic, is basically intuition. <laughs> like, the vagabonds teach her how to use her internal, like, natural intuition, and that's what no. is her magic. She Then she, like, knows something. She has premonition, basically. She, like, knows something's going to happen, but it's because she learns how to listen to the land. And it's kind of like a... <laughs> like, the reason <laughs> society died is that we didn't listen to the land and we thought we were gods. Humans thought they were gods and destroyed uh, destroyed ourselves. And so now the way that Venda leads them to safety is she listens to the land. The historical ancestress listens to the land. And then that becomes, like, the magic that... The gift that they That's talk about. So is it ever explained why... Because um, it says you know, the first daughters or mm-hmm. whatever people who are supposed to have the gift, it usually manifests a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Does it say why hers Her mom it? is acti- actively working against her. Oh. So you find out that her mom's part of the plot. When I read the summary, because I didn't finish it, um, it talked about the mom giving her the name um, yeah. Gis- Giselia or whatever. Yeah, Giselia. On purpose, because it was part of the prophecy. Yes. So I thought that like the mom was... So the mom didn't l- read the prophecy. The prophecy is found later. Oh. The mom is like whispered. The gift whispers to her. This is like the, in- the gift of the magic is the intuition, whispers the name to her. She gives the name to the daughter. And then they find the prophecy later and she gets scared and realizes that she's basically like condemned her daughter to die mm. the way the prophecy sounds and so then she starts actively working against it and telling her that it's nothing it's nothing <laughs> and it's like anyway sorry mm. <laughs> i actually think the r- the other two books are more interesting just because like we get more of the world and it's not waitressing like <laughs> <laughs> so i i thought altogether like decent fantasy series it's just like it needs it just needed somebody to be tighter on the reasoning you know, because you can throw whatever fantasy tropes you want in there, but you got to yeah. give people a reason to believe. Um, 
yeah so let the reader trust you like if you're gonna make your girl stupid make their make a reason for it yeah i think we talked about both these we talked about the religious text and the magic so anything else you wanted to say ladies i will be finishing the book i'm intrigued um (laughs) it's kind of ran out of time it's a cliffhanger ending that was the annoying part for me is like now i have to read the other books Ah. yeah (laughs) and then the last one is like 600 pages oh my yeah yeah it came out several years ago so this is really at the height of you know trilogies everywhere gotta end on a cliffhanger gotta get your readers interested for the next book so i'm not surprised to relearn <laughs> that it ends on a cliffhanger but as i said i read it and didn't chose not to continue with the series i'm, I'm pretty entertained so far so i'm gonna keep yeah. going we'll see i have i have fantasy issues <laughs> i had to finish <laughs> it <laughs> and on that note thank you for joining us and we will see you next month for what is the book conviction, conviction. by kelly Loy gilbert and make sure you go to foreveryoungadult.com and see our themed wallpaper. We have a themed wallpaper for your desktop and phone every month. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Litzy, Pinterest, Tumblr, and any probably any social media that exists, we're on it. Just look for any version of Forever Young Adult or go to foreveryoungadult.com to find our handles. Or <laughs> use your internal love gps <laughs> to find us on the internet <laughs> we'll we love waiting. you <laughs> <laughs> we'll find you <laughs> thanks guys no matter what.